The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when His blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in His precious blood, my sin to atone. If you take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'd like to start off in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I am going to have you go through a few verses with me tonight. I wanted to share with you this past week in the office. As most of you know, I practice medicine Monday through Friday and then at times travel for the Reformers Unanimous program. We'll be gone next weekend to Michigan, freezing up there. I did the 10-day forecast and the high is 45 and the low is 35, but as they do in Argentina, they need Jesus in Michigan too. So we're going to go up there uh, next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and do special services. But this week I had three people in my waiting room, one with terrible heart disease, couldn't move without chest pain, and uh, one individual, terrible emphysema, wearing oxygen, couldn't move without getting short of breath. Then I had a gentleman that had severe back pain, couldn't move without pain. And then, unbeknownst to me, a faith healer came in, touched the guy with heart disease, he walked out without chest pain. Touched the guy with emphysema, threw off his oxygen, walked out, no shortness of breath. He approached the guy with back pain. The guy threw up his hands and said, oh, no, 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 I'm workman's comp. On a serious note, although that can be taken somewhat seriously as we deal with all that, but uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there is a topic that I deal with a lot medically, and it's the title that I gave the message called Denial. And it can infiltrate your life very easily. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you look at verse 18, this is a, just a very poignant verse where it says, and let me just read the first sentence, let no man deceive himself. Let no man deceive himself. Let me just read for you quickly Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 16, where it says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. And if it is deceived, it, it, what happens, you will turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And so denial is, we're not talking about the river in Egypt tonight, but 
denial or what we call self-deception. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where it says, let no man deceive himself, that implies that it is possible for you and me to deceive ourselves. To be deceived by others, as it can be in buying a car or an appliance, where they make it sound so wonderful and awesome, and then you bring it home and you, found, you find that it's not that awesome. You were deceived by others. But when we deceive ourselves, I like to call it denial. And I just want to give you a few things tonight because there may be people here tonight living in denial. And it's serious. But let me ask God to bless our time together first. Join me in prayer. Father, without you, absolutely nothing eternal could be done tonight. So Father, would you please give me the words to speak and help my brothers and sisters in Christ listen with a spirit-tuned ear. And Father, give us, I pray tonight, a huge dose of reality so that all of us here will leave this place knowing exactly where we stand before a righteous and holy God. Father, please, through your Spirit, do a work that only you can do, please. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Denial, I see it. Part of my practice, probably 20% of my practice is addiction medicine, as you probably already know. And I have people come in that have staggering addictions uh, where it is devastating their lives, devastating their families, devastating their friends. They've lost their job. They're in debt. Uh, they do not know what to do. And because of a mom or dad, they're sitting in my office, and I ask them, how are things going? And I'll get this answer quite a bit. Things are good. When it is obvious Things are not good. I had one gentleman that had a rock of cocaine, and it was his last little rock, and it went down the drain because he was in the bathroom. And it was at his mother's house. And he was so much in denial, he dismantled his mother's plumbing to get to that piece of cocaine, and then obviously left without reassembling uh, what he did to his mother's plumbing, that man is in denial over the extensive problem that he has in his life. But I'm going to tell you, I sit in my office, and they will look me in the eye, oh, it's good. Things are okay. Two weeks ago, a doctor friend sent his son to me, and he is hooked on narcotic medications, and I'm sitting there, my, my medical assistant came to me and said, this guy's falling asleep when I'm talking to him. 
you know, getting him ready to be seen by me. And so I say, okay, you know, maybe, maybe you're just boring. I don't know. You know, she doesn't have the greatest personality, but that's, that's between us. Don't share that with her when you go there, please. But uh, I walked into the room, and his chin is in his chest. And I said, how are you doing? And he, come, he uh, uh, woke up from a slumber. Oh, I'm good. And then went back down. And what he was there for was a cough medicine that had a controlled substance in it. And the man was obviously stoned high on narcotics at the time. And obviously, after about a 20-minute conversation, I told him no. But he kept coming back at me. And it's hard sometimes to say no, but it's the right thing to do. He was in denial. I had one individual about two years ago came to me in October, and if you don't mind a $5 word here, um, he had a macrocytic anemia. He, his, his red blood cells were low, and his red blood cells were bigger than they should be. That can be a condition called, and here's that $5 word, myelodysplastic syndrome. And that's a failure of your bone marrow to produce red blood cells. And I told him in October, I think you have myelodysplastic syndrome. We need to get you to a hematologist because there are certain things that can be done for that to promote red blood cell production. He said, nah, you know, the holidays are coming up. I really don't have time. Uh, let's, uh, let me just wait. He didn't think it was that important. He came back in December. I rechecked the CBC, uh, complete blood count. He still had the anemia, but it was worse. I said, listen, sir, you need to go to the hematologist. There's things we can do to help you. It's not chemotherapy. It's nothing like that. It's just little sub-Q shots that can produce red blood cells from your bone marrow. He said, well, he gave me the same excuse. The holidays are right here. Uh, let's wait. Let's recheck it in three months. February comes. Blood count is worse. I said, sir, please. He finally realized that something was going on, still in denial of what could be happening. Because what happens with myelodysplastic syndrome is it evolves into what we call acute myelogenous leukemia, AML, which you live about six weeks and you die. That's how it happens. And so in February, I saw him. He saw the hematologist in uh, March, and he died in April. And then the family comes to me. Dr. Crabb, my father saw you. She happens to be a lawyer, too. We just don't get along. My father came to you in October, and uh, you didn't send him to a hematologist at that time. Well, thankfully, I had documented everything. And uh, at all three visits, October, December, February, I documented that I talked to this man and that he adamantly refused my recommendation. I showed her that, and she went her way. 
that man was in denial. That something bad could be happening. Something wrong uh, could be happening. Something devastating. And I am fearful that it can happen not only with addiction, <clears throat> uh, with health issues, but with our spiritual walk. And there's a great example in the Word of God of denial. If you would, take your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. When you see the church at Laodicea, and I want to share with you just quickly, and I, uh, I'm conscious of the time tonight. It means nothing, but I'm conscious of it. <laughs> I prepared for this, so you're getting it. So, okay, this is my time. You're, you're with me, okay? If you leave, like Pastor said, I'll talk to you about offending me uh, later on, but uh, I am conscious of the time tonight. But in Revelation 3.17, see how the church viewed themselves and how God viewed them. They were in denial. It says, because thou sayest. Now this is the church, their opinion of where they are. They said, I am rich and increase in goods and have need of nothing. How does God see them? And knowest not thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They had their opinion, but God had his opinion. Now let me ask you this, who's right? They were in denial, weren't they? They thought things were good. We're rich. We're increased in goods. And look at me. We have need of nothing. That's how they were living their life. That is truly how they believed they were spiritually. That God says, you're blind, you're poor, or you're miserable, you're wretched, you're or you're blind, you're naked. And I, I do not, this is a personal thing for me, I want, to the best of my ability, and I know that we're all sinners saved by grace, I know that we're walking in the flesh, but I want my life and the opinion I have of my life to be as close to the opinion that God has of me. I don't want, well, George thinks he's this, George thinks he's that. No, I want it to be, what does God see me as? Because I don't want to live in denial. I've done it before. I've walked in denial with some things. And it is not healthy. It is not productive. And the Bible gives high importance on self-deception, or as I like to call it, denial. So if you remember a few months ago, I gave you a sermon called Three Cheers from Jesus. I like lists. It's kind of an internal medicine thing. We make lists. I want to give you three things from the Word of God where God says, not me, 
But God says, be not deceived. So the first one, take your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And on this one, just kind of hold on a little bit. Because I'm going to be very dogmatic. I'm going to be very narrow-minded. But the Bible does say narrow is the way that leads to life. So just give me a little bit of leeway tonight. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And here it is. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. You see, my friends, please do not be in denial in how you are going to go to heaven. Going to heaven is strictly, and you can say, hey, you are extremely narrow-minded, that's okay. It is only through what I like to say, the finished work of Jesus Christ. His death, His burial, His resurrection, His pure blood shed on our behalf that I am justified by Him, by His resurrection, and you can put anything to it, take away from it, but if you add to Jesus, if you take away from Jesus, may I say compassionately tonight, you're in denial. Well, I've walked the aisle. That doesn't save you. Well, I've been baptized. It doesn't save you. I've prayed. It doesn't save you. I'm a member of the church. You're in denial. I give tithes and offerings. I support missionaries. I do ministries. I work in the Farm Fest on Wednesday nights. I work in Awanas. I teach Sunday school. My friends, if that is what you're banking eternity on, may I say you're in denial. It is only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Those that are living according to this scripture, and as Pastor said this morning, uh, his message was saturated biblically. According to the word of God that we just read, those individuals that are living a life according to what these scriptures say, that are habitually, it's their lifestyle, and think they're going to heaven, are in denial. Because the Bible says, be not deceived. Be not deceived. Some, uh, some are trusting in something other than Jesus, plus Jesus, take away Jesus, 
and they think they'll go to heaven, and they're in denial. And that's sad. Those people in Argentina that have never heard the gospel need to be told because right now they're believing in something else. And the only thing that can change the heart, I can write you a script for Zoloft, I can give you Xanax, I can give you Valium, but only God can change a heart. As the Bible, as David cried out, renew in me a new spirit, renew my soul. I can't medically change a soul, I can't change a spirit, but our God can. And he can bring a dead spirit back to life when it comes to salvation. What we call being born again. So may I implore you tonight, I know most of you are members of Gospel Baptist, and you're trusting Jesus, and you're trusting Jesus alone. But make sure you are. Denial is very strong. Very strong. When you stand before Jesus, and if he asks the question, this is hypothetical, why should you enter heaven, what will be your answer? It should be through you, Jesus, and only through you. I claim you and nothing else. If your answer includes other things, Again, may I compassionately say for you to consider that you might be in denial tonight. Secondly, take your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For the second, be not deceived. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Paul again, writing to the Corinthians, says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. May I say, I told my Sunday school, I'm the oldest one in my Sunday school class. That's why I like to teach the other group more, because I'm the younger one in there. But I said that I have a little bit of experiential knowledge you know, as Pastor brings up many times. And in light of that, may I say that who you, according to this verse now, who you associate with can influence your life in an ungodly manner. Evil-minded men or women tend to corrupt. What it says. Be not deceived. Evil communication, evil lifestyle, evil influences corrupt good men. It hanging around others that are not godly. And I know, please, I know we've got to work with people and things, and we've got to live life. But you know what I'm talking about. When you choose to spend your time with those that are ungodly, that are trying to actively tear you away from the faith in Jesus Christ, my friends, evil lifestyles will corrupt your good manners. They lead others into sin and they diminish your life of faith. 
But some will say, oh no, 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 I can hang out with the world. I can do this, I can do that, and it doesn't affect me. You're in denial. I just, I know it's simple. But I see this all day in my medical practice. You know, some people are, not any of you, but some people just are kind of, I'll say it very nicely, there's another word I could use, but ignorant. And they don't, it's right before them, and they cannot visualize it. And because they cannot visualize the issue at hand, you then cannot take care of that issue. That issue goes on, it grows, it intensifies, and it further damages that person. And it can happen with us spiritually. Just let me read Ephesians 5, 6, where again it says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. It goes on to say in verse 11 of Ephesians 5, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Verse 12 goes on to say that for us as godly men and women, it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. And you know the effect? Oh, it doesn't affect me, uh, George. It doesn't affect me. Uh, whatever you guys want to call me. People say, what do I call you? Whatever you want. It doesn't affect me. It does. Is the Bible true? Is this book God's word? So does it affect you? If you say no, you're in denial. Evil, be not deceived. So God knows it's our tendency not to think this. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And what happens is we, if we are hanging around, that's why we need the fellowship with you guys. That's why it's important to be in Sunday school. It'd be at Wednesday night. You know, they traveled to the East Coast uh, for volleyball, football, and things of that nature. Linda went with Allison. Because she wasn't there, I fell asleep in my recliner. It's all her fault. And uh, I threw out the left side of my back. And I'm in a, in a lot of pain right now. But that's, that's my problem. But it, it, it's her fault. So I would have been in bed with her sleeping if, you know, she wouldn't have gone. It's always the woman. Right, like Adam. It's the woman you gave me, God. But that's, thank you. But that's, that we must realize that that type of fellowship, fellowship we have going out to eat at times, we had good fellowship Wednesday, uh, uh, Friday night, uh, going out to dinner and being around people that aren't cussing and swearing, or not that much, but, uh, you know, they're not cussing. I heard some, but uh, I won't say who. But uh, there's no cussing, there's no swearing, there's no uh, condemning God, there's uplifting of Christ, uplifting the local church, uplifting each other, encouraging each other. 
And just by physically being together, you receive an encouragement. You see, when we allow others to influence us, we become less alarmed at sin. I don't know if you saw this week, it made me regurgitate, but uh, that's vomit. Um, also called reverse peristalsis. But another $5 word, hey, I went to school for something, okay? You got, you got to give me something. Campbell's Soup. There's a little boy, and there's two men on each side of him. And the one man says, after the Star Wars movie, I'm your father. And then it goes to the other man sitting on the other side of the baby, and he says, no, I'm your father. That's wrong. They pass laws in Canada where you can't talk about that as a pastor. But I'm going to tell you, according to the Word of God, homosexuality and lesbianism, according to the Word of God, it's an abomination. And if that was natural, if that was normal, our human race would go to the wayside because you cannot reproduce. And those two men that had that baby had to have the use of a woman to get that baby. It's ludicrous. It's unnatural. And I'll support Pastor when he goes to jail, when he says it. No, no doubt about it. I'll reconsider my words. Strike that, please. But what happens, we become less alarmed to sin the more you see that. It be, you, it, you become desensitized. When I was in my first surgery, it was a C-section. And I can't tell you graphically, because it would be graphic, what happened to me. Uh, but I almost passed out because of certain fluids that had saturated my body. But after doing that about a hundred times, no big deal. That amniotic fluid not bothering me. First time, it's like, whoa, baby, where am I? I think I'm seeing stars. But about the hundredth time, it's no big deal. The first time I delivered a baby, you know, you're all excited and anxious. About the hundredth time, it's like, let's go. I've got things to do, so can you, uh, can you facilitate this process, please? I've got rounds to make, office to make. But we, if, so you, it's, it's our nature to become desensitized. And it happens when we watch this stuff. I told the Sunday school class this morning, the Disney Channel has a show with a girl that has two dads. She'll make reference, well, my dads are going to Indianapolis for NASCAR. The devil knows what he's doing. 
and it's subtle, and if we allow things, be not deceived. Evil communications will corrupt good manners. We will be less watchful, we will be less cautious, we will be less prayerful, and as all of that culminates, we will have less devotion to God. Please, my brothers and sisters in Christ, where are you tonight? I'm not done, but where are you tonight? Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Lastly, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Our third, be not deceived. It says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. May I say this to you tonight, that God knows your real character. And he will judge us accordingly. Now, in our human mind, if our kids did something bad, which they rarely ever did, but, but when they did, we would exact punishment immediately. God sometimes doesn't do it that way. He's got a different timing than us. And I, I can tell you this person, I'm ready to sneeze, but sorry, but... I can tell you this personally, there's something in the air tonight, or all day. Mm. There we go. Thank you. I'll see my doctor tomorrow. But, um, and God's done this to me. He knows exactly. underneath your feet. And when God starts pulling the rug out from underneath your feet, there is absolutely nothing you can do. The only thing that you can do is fall flat on your face and beg God for his grace and mercy. Because he knows. God, it says, be not deceived. God will not be mocked. God will not be derided. God will not be fooled. not thumb your nose up to God without paying for it. Thinking that you can live according to your philosophy, according to your dictate, according to the world's philosophy, and still receive the blessing of God in your life, you are in denial. Because God says, be not deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sowing and reaping is, an, is, is a principle, a truth from the word of God, agricultural in nature. Uh, as those that uh, do farming, when you plant wheat, you get wheat. Uh, when uh, you plant corn, you get corn. Uh, you know, humans, when they reproduce, have humans. And the same is when we 
So spiritually, we will reap spiritual benefit. And when we sow flesh, uh, fleshly, we will receive of the flesh. And the thing about it is, regardless of what you think, you're sowing. Oh, I'm not doing anything. Yes, you are. You're sowing. And don't hope for crop failure. You know, some people say, I sowed my wild oats as a young person, and I'm praying for crop failure from God. The principle doesn't work that way. God has mercy and grace. Oh, my soul does yet. But as you and I know, there's consequences to our decisions. So please be not deceived. Let me end with this. What do you do tonight? May I suggest, and don't turn there, but you can write it down if you want to look it up later. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5 and 6, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. Would you? I don't care if you've been saved a year or for some of you a hundred. Would you consider Examining yourself. Because maybe you're in denial. Denial is strong. It says, the, uh, in regards to the Lord's Supper, as Pastor always mentions, as we have it, like we did last Sunday night, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. but let a man examine himself. And so examine yourself tonight. And maybe say to yourself, as I said, as I prepared this, George, do I have a proper perspective of where I stand? Before God? Am I fooling myself? Turn your Bibles to Psalm 26, if you would. I'll be done shortly. I've learned never to say a time. Like you said, brother, you learn what not to say from the pulpit. I want you, please, please, uh, I give you this message, knowing most of you, because first and foremost, I want you at the judgment seat of Christ, not at the white throne judgment. And then, John 10.10 10 tells us the last part of that verse that Jesus came to give us life. And not only life, but life more abundant. But if you're in denial, that abundant life won't be there. But Jesus wants you to have it. So examine yourself, but then do this also. Look at Psalm 26, verse 2. The psalmist says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Will you open your heart up tonight to God? And say, God, I thought things were good, but maybe... Maybe I'm in self-deception. Maybe I'm in denial. I don't know. 
I'm examining myself. I think that things are appropriate and line up with you. But as the psalmist said, examine me. Oh Lord, improve me and try my reins in my heart. Because I believe if my daughters or my son asked for my help, would I not give it to them? Immediately, basically without question. Lastly, Psalm 139, a very familiar verse, and we're going to sing this for the invitation tonight, but it says in Psalm 139, first of all, examine yourself, ask God to examine you, and then please, brothers and sisters in Christ, Please say this in your heart. And then as we sing it, mean it. Verse 23 of 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And then he says, and lead me the way everlasting. That's what I want to do tonight. I want to be in the everlasting way. I want to be walking with Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. Thankfully saved by the grace of God. But I want to be taking repetitive steps throughout my day with the Lord Jesus at my side with a proper look of who I am, where I am in my Christian walk, then going down this road thinking everything is good and dandy and when I meet God or God does something here on this earth, it's an eye-opener and it's like, how could I have been deceived? That's why I said three times, God told us, be not deceived. I pray you're not tonight. I pray, as I said in my opening prayer, that God would give us a huge dose of reality. May I ask you tonight, are you saved? Are you trusting just in Jesus? And for my brothers and sisters in Christ, how do you stand when you compare yourself to the standard of the Word of God? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your instruction. Thank you for caring for us and loving us to the extent that you give us these three be not deceived. And Father, you know the hearts of every person here tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit, that now you're moving through each, through each row, and I pray that each each child of God is examining themselves. Each child of God is asking you to examine them and to search them. And Father, that you will reveal to them your will for their life. And, and if necessary, respond at a good old-fashioned altar with a bent knee. May all of us 
walk out of this place knowing exactly where we stand before a holy and righteous God. And Father, we ask all this in your Son's holy and precious name. Amen. If you all would, don't mind standing.